Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey Hey, Work Positive Nation, did you notice maybe more than a little bit that the whole world changed when the pandemic happened, including your work world? Man, things shifted, didn't it? It seems like uh, workplaces transformed in a hurry. And as of this recording, we're experiencing among our clients um, this consideration of, do we have our employees come back into the office? If we do, how many days a week? If we do, then who comes back which days? Or do we just say everybody's coming back every day? You know, how do we choose, make these decisions? And some of the pushback we're seeing that's, uh, shall we say, withdrawing trust from the emotional bank in some companies is that uh, human capital and human resource people are not being consulted. And yet they're the ones who have to say, here's the new policy and interpret that for people. So to say that the pandemic has caused a lot of questions we never had before and has really caused the workplace to transform would be a gross understatement. So let's live into this reality and let's seize this reality and see how we can continue to create positive workplaces, positive work cultures in the midst of all this. My guest today is the expert in helping you understand the workplace transformed because of the global pandemic. In fact, that's the book she wrote, The Workplace Transformed Seven Crucial Lessons from the Global Pandemic. She's got an amazing mission, and it's to help employees and employers work together to create great, thriving, and healthy workplaces. It would take the entire 30-minute podcast to read you all of the awards and accolades that she has. She's an attorney by trade. She loves workplaces and helping people create these thriving workplaces. So help me welcome Work Positive Nation, Angela Reddick Wright. Angela, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast. I'm ecstatic about having you on. Thank you so much, Dr. Fawcett. Uh, it is my absolute pleasure. And as I was getting to know you a little bit pre-podcast uh, wow. video and audio taping, I just felt like I met a new compadre, someone who shares the, the same passion and love and commitment to creating great workplaces that I do. So I'm just so honored and privileged to share this time with you. 
Oh, thank you, Angela. That means a lot to me. And uh, the struggle is real and it takes all of us, right? So, yes, for uh, sure. Thanks for being one. Preachers sister. of the gospel everywhere. Evangelists. We're workplace evangelists. Oh, I like that. Now that'll work for sure. <laughs> I've been looking for a little tagline. I may have to um, use that one. <laughs> oh, that'll work. That'll work. Well, you know, Angela, the book book that you've written, The Workplace Transformed, The Seven Crucial Lessons. I mean, geez, work just changed almost overnight. Uh, I have people quote to me, March 20th, 2020 is when everything happened. You know, it's almost like you're remembering like our birthday. birthday. We'll never forget that day, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, man, things have changed. But as I was saying in the intro there, we're trying to figure out what life's like now. And we're trying to create positive work cultures, but man, it's tougher today because we're dealing with a whole nother set of questions, that, some of which we weren't asking before. So you found seven crucial lessons, you call them, from the global pandemic. Unpack some of those for us. Right. Well, Dr. Fawcett, if you will allow me to kind of back up a little and Please. just talk about why I wrote the book, and then that'll okay. lend some insight as to the lessons that I talk about in the book. Uh-huh. So um, like many of us, I'm sure, when that they announced on March 20th, um, yeah. 2020, the stay at home orders. I don't know about you, but for me, I was, you know, I thought, oh, okay, this will be a couple weeks. Right, right. It'll be a nice time to just sort of, you know, take it easy a bit, maybe do some <laughs> things around the house, spend some time with family. And so, you know, I personally, I was concerned, but I wasn't that concerned. And I said, surely, you know, government, the powers that be, they're going to find a way to kind of help navigate the situation. And so that two weeks went by and then two months. And now we are, you know, beyond two years going into three years almost of this global pandemic. So I don't know about you and your listeners, but I never would have thought that we would still be here three years later, almost three years later, having this conversation. And so at some point during that now almost three years, I would say maybe about six months into it, you kind of start to feel some feelings of depression, of what's going on here. And this is before vaccines. And this is not a political show about vaccines or not. But um, before vaccines and before... Exactly. And before a clear path to being able to manage this, you really start to think about life and what it means. We're seeing people around us either either getting very sick and unfortunately some passing. Um, And it really forces you to contend with, you know, what is this all about? What is life about? What's my purpose? And so I started to have that conversation with myself and being you know, someone who cares a lot about the workplace like you do, that conversation I was having with myself sort of naturally transcended and it caused me to think about what this impact has been and will continue to be for the workplace. And it is out of that, you know, self-reflection, both personally and professionally, mm-hmm. that this book was born. And mm-hmm. I and I said to myself, Angela, you not only need to take a personal pause and breath to reflect and think about this time, but we need to do that collectively as a workplace. And mm-hmm. so I went on Google, went on Amazon to see if anybody was already starting to write about this 
subject and to talk about it. And while we, you know, of course, our news channels were flooded with conversations about COVID, but I didn't see yet where anyone had stopped to write something or start a podcast on what this time meant at, you know, when they think of it and what it means now. So I said, you know what, Angela, you've got to write this book. You, you have to be a part of helping establish this moment in history mm. when the workplace has changed so much it will never be the same again in my opinion mm. and you have to be a part of helping document this so mm. that we don't forget um in fact the book leads with a quote from one of my favorite authors and people and poets maya angelou mm. may she rest in peace it leads with a quote from her where she says history despite its wrenching pain COVID's been wrenching, right? And not be unlived. We can't unlive these past almost three years. Mm. But if faced with courage, need not be lived again. And so that Mm. encapsulates the entire mission and purpose of the book that we'll pause, we'll think about what we can't unlive, but that we're going to take steps to learn from it, to grow from it, and there's going to be another pandemic. We already have monkeypox, right? And so it's not going. It's not about oh well, you know, how to prevent another pandemic or world crises because we will have them. They but how to navigate out. them better in the workplace? And yes. so that's where the seven lessons, seven crucial lessons, come from. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, I love the proactive response. Because if we if we just continue doing what we've always done out of that same mental model, we're going to get what we always got. So we'll be just exactly. doing this again, as you indicated, when the next international crisis comes along. So right. how about creating a positive work culture with some of these crucial lessons from the pandemic? Yes. So to I kind of avoid I didn't answer your first questions. Oh, with, no, with, what are the seven crucial lessons? Yeah, so crucial that? lessons I break down into what I call the four E's and the three D's. The four and it's a, a easy way to help me remember and hopefully help others to me too. <laughs> what the lessons are. But key to those lessons, the four E's are elevating the role of human resources. You and I were talking a little bit about yeah. um, human resources being empowered uh, mm. and not getting the memo after the fact of changes yeah. that are happening, but being on the forefront of helping to shape policy and practices and help take the workplace into the future. So mm. at the cornerstone of everything we learned for companies, organizations, employers that have not made HR key partners, key strategic partners within their organization, that has got to be at the top of the agenda. The second E is appreciating the contributions and the sacrifice that our essential workers have made. We know they have been on the front lines Um, in my state in California. Again, this is not a political conversation, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's considered a very proactive state as it relates to employees. So you see all sorts of legislation coming out Um, just this week. For example, the governor passed the bill around fast food workers and increasing the minimum wage and health and safety conditions for fast food workers. And just before then, a similar bill came out related to healthcare workers. So mm. work environments that have essential workers, making sure that they show they're appreciated, taking steps to make sure that when the next crises come, that life is a little bit better for those folks. Mm. The third E is employee activism. We have seen even before the pandemic, we saw a rise of employee activism. And by that, I mean, 
in even in non-unionized environments, employees coming together and holding their employers accountable to mm-hmm. their mission and their values and to the yeah. things that are important that the company says is important to it and mm-hmm. the things that are important to employees. Employees are basically saying, we can't live and exist in a world where we see all these things happening around us and continue to work for places, one, that don't acknowledge it, and two, yeah. don't step take steps to be a part of um, helping to be a positive change in some of these instances. And then the final four E is around, fourth E is around employee engagement. Critical to this time, we have learned, especially being in a remote work environment where we're not all seeing each other every day. A manager can't hover over your hover over your shoulders and like, what are you doing? And micromanage your time. So how do we empower managers and supervisors and leaders and employees themselves to still be successful in this remote work environment? Or even if they're being brought back to work, which we're seeing, you know, so I think the verdict is still out as to how long this uh, remote work culture will last or in what form it will continue to last. Mm -hmm. But even as employees come back to work, employers have to be sensitive to the fact that many employees, if not all, have gone through substantial changes during this time, whether it's personally with their families, Mm -hmm. people are still dealing with the emotional uh, fallout Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. having gone through this time. So employers have to be sensitive to that and can't just, you know, create a culture, get back to work, it's all (laughs) about work, and that's all we care about. They have to look at the broader picture. So those are some of the four, some of the lessons, and then they're the three Ds as well. Right. Yeah. Well, some of them are responding with exactly what you're saying. You, you mm-hmm. can't come to work. We, we do work with an international company and that's exactly what we were getting. 911 calls around this week for, for coaching. You know, let's, you know what they're saying this. How do, how do we do this? Let me return to that first E because we have a lot of HR and L&D uh, people or European cultures, uh, human capital, right? Um, professionals who listen to this podcast. And you said elevate HR. That's your first E, right? So right. I, I want to camp out there for just a second because it seems like HR has been a support role for so long. They yes. are almost like the compliance department. You know, they keep us legal. They handle a necessary evil, so to speak. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. But they suck all the fun out of everything because we have to have processes to go through like that. Yeah. Uh, and and if you're positive, the employee, you think HR is all about the company. They don't really care about you personally. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so these can I say poor people in HR, these HR professionals, so many of them, as you just indicated, take pot shots from both sides, right? And so right. it's like friendly fire is killing them left and right. And yet they're held responsible in the midst of the great resignation yes. <laughs> for attracting uh, top talent. And, right. and some of them are just saying, look, I'm looking for any talent much less top talent. So mm-hmm. how do we, uh, Angela, elevate HR and equip them, empower them to attract top talent, to create this positive work culture. Right, well, Dr. Fawcett, I think a key element of that is the leadership, the executive leadership from the CEO all the way throughout the C-suite, even up to the board of directors. You Mm. know, we see with corporate boards now, they are adding people to their board who focus on strategic employee relations and risk management, et cetera. So even at the board of directors level, they just have to make a simple decision that 
our people are our most important asset. And if that is the mm. case, not our bottom line, not our profits, not, you know, all of the other things that, you know, may have traditionally been associated with a successful company or organization, mm. but our people are our most critical asset. And when companies and organizations get that, they will say, okay, who will help us to show that to our employees, mm -hmm. that they are mm -hmm. our most important asset and our most important investment. And when they make that decision, they will naturally turn to HR and start to make decisions to elevate HR in name, you know, always mm -hmm. having someone in the C-suite that oversees the HR organization. No, no offense to chief financial officers and chief operating <laughs> officers and chief this, but a person who is trained and understands human relations, human capital, and what it takes to create a successful organization from a people perspective. So mm -hmm. starting with titles, starting with roles, direct line of communication to the CEO, mm -hmm. giving that person a voice with the board of directors, right? Um, and I think when we see those changes and then empower them to put in place strategies, strategic initiatives that empower people throughout the organization, that mm -hmm. includes training, that includes um, looking at the things that are important to employees beyond pay and benefits. Most studies today show, yes, of course, we all care about our pay and benefits because that's why we work, right? right. But we care about so much more these days. We and do. so empowering that person and that team at the top to really ca um, cause those types of initiatives to be infiltrated throughout the mm -hmm. organization, mm -hmm. I think is key. It is. So moving HR from compliance processing, of course, there's that part of it, but that yes. should just be a piece of it. But to be really becoming a team and even mm -hmm. many companies are hiring DEI or diversity, equity right. and inclusion professionals. And some of the complaints I'm hearing from my friends who work in these roles is they're there and they were hired in reaction to, you know, oh, what was yeah. happening in the world for the last two plus years. But once they get there, that they're truly not empowered to do their jobs. And so mm. they're exiting ship because they're committed to this work. And they're like, and if I can't be in an organization that really gives me the opportunity, one, mm. to be help the organization be transparent and accountable mm. to what it says is important to them. Mm. And it's not an organization I want to be a part of. Same thing with human resources. Oh, yeah. It's almost like we're checking a box. We need somebody in DEI. So let's just hire somebody to check that box and right. then they sideline them or they don't have any direct impact on the culture. As my right. as one of my other friends from SoCal, uh, Larry Levine, says, soft skills yield hard dollars. Yes, yes. So that goes right to the yes, heart of what you're it. talking about is our people are our greatest asset. And when we invest in them, then profitability increases, productivity increases, and the kinds of things that create a sustainable company. Because we got to have some beans for the bean counters to count, right? Right. <laughs> and, right. And, people are and, and to directly that. answer your question in terms of recruitment, so mm -hmm. presumably if you're empowering HR, they're putting in place strategic initiatives that help make the people of the organization, the center of the organization, then that will show through and through in your recruitment. One, the best recruitments are those by word of mouth, happy employees will go out and recruit other Absolutely. happy, other and great and motivated, incentivized employees. And then in your marketing, it just won't be, you know, something that you have on a piece of paper, like we do all these great things, right? <laughs> but you'll be able to show in action 
connection. Yes, we are a great company. We do value our people. It's not just about your pay and benefits, which we, by the way, we do provide great pay and benefits, but we also provide these other things um, that show your value. And we give you opportunities to be engaged and to grow within the company. People yes, are, you yes. know, these days people are antsy, you know, especially mm-hmm. as we start to move into our millennial and generation Z and, you know, other other gener- younger generations, right. you know, is they're not motivated by the same things as mm. baby boomers and even my generation, Generation X. They're motivated by a greater purpose, a greater vision. And that's starting to carry over into the other generations. We're like, wait a minute. You know, we agree. Oh. We should have been, you know, much more on the forefront of, you know, seeking this type of support within our organizations mm. before we had to learn it from the the younger millennial generation Z generation. So, oh, absolutely. Well, they looked at my generation, the boomer generation, and said, you know, things didn't turn out so well for you guys. Your divorce rates way up. You know, you you don't have fun at work. What's your career path? They said we want better. So yeah, it it's really yeah. created a a transformed workplace and the pandemic exacerbated that, or I like to say accelerated that, right? Right, It just brought those key vital, uh, you call them lessons, those crucial lessons to the forefront to where we just all needed to pay attention to that. Uh, Angela Redock Wright is my guest. You can go to her website right now, Angela Redock Wright. Uh, That's Angela Redock hyphen. Hyphen right. right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Got to get that in there, dot com. And uh, check out, she's got a lot of great resources there, but be sure to get your copy of her book, The Workplace Transform, Seven Crucial Lessons from the Global Pandemic. So Angela, we attract this top talent, they're on our teams, but if it was just lip service, they're not gonna stay very long. And we've seen right. that happening with the great resignation, which unfortunately has been followed by the great regret, right? Because we found right, out company right. A was no better than company B, and no better than company C. How do we keep this top talent on our teams? Exactly as you said, it has to be more than lip service. Like our companies, our organizations, employers have to live their mission and value statements. I always think about, um, especially, you know, bigger companies, you walk in, they're really nice environment, great, you know, ambiance and look and so forth. And they have the mission statement, you know, plastered on the wall and the vision statement and it's It's in all of their materials. Right. And when you read it, you're like, oh, my goodness, this has to be the best place since sliced bread. Right. So I think it's it's really not rocket science, Dr. Fawcett. Mm. It's not really about companies and their leaders and organizations and their leaders having a will. And if they have the will to create great environments, if it's a part of their DNA and mm. they're absolutely committed to it, committed to people over profits, then the profits will naturally come. Yes. Then I, you know, it's as simple as living your mission and value statement and oh, wow. doing it in everything from how you conduct meetings to how you engage your customers to how you do feedback and performance sessions, you know, mm-hmm. just like engrave in ensuring that is done throughout the culture of the organization. And that's where I go to a great 
HR leader, yes. a great HR team can be a critical part of ensuring that it's ingrained throughout. So I think when a company mm -hmm. and organization leaders put their money where their mouth is, they live their mission and value mm -hmm. statements, they preach it all the time, they hold their leaders accountable to producing results against those mission and value statements, mm -hmm. then I think that's where we see change and that's where we see our high, highest retention rates among employees. Oh, absolutely. And I love what you said right there about the mission and vision are, and the values are reflected in what I like to think of as the KPIs. Mm -hmm. So the KPIs aren't just X number of widgets sold, right? It's right. this many people on career paths, this many people experiencing this many hours of training right. and development right. and things like that. So that we're yeah. what, What's the saying? What's not, what's not measured doesn't happen or something to that Absolutely. effect? Absolutely. <laughs> and that goes right back, Angela, to what you were talking about previously about the elevation of HR. HR professionals are the ones who can see that the culture is consistent between its stated mission, the company mission, and mm -hmm. what we're telling all this top talent that we're seeking to attract, right? Here, here's right. your personal purpose. You understand your purpose and your unique contribution to make to our company. Here's our company mission. How do those align? And then who's the right. keeper of the consistency of that? That's, right, right. That's really and the measurement of it, yes. Yes, and speaking of measurement, what are some ways, and, and look, I know there's 1,092 ways to measure culture in a company. What are, say, one of the most effective ways you've seen a company enacting to measure culture to ensure that consistency is happening? Right. So, of course, in this world of technology, there's all sorts of new ways oh, to, yeah. to establish KPIs, to measure against KPIs, et cetera. But, you know, um, Dr. Fawcett, I'm a really, I like to keep things simple. I think the best way to measure and to know whether a company or organization is doing the right thing and how employees are are seeing that and even customers and consumers is to talk to them to mm. talk to them whether that's through employee forums roundtables one-on-ones open door policy i think you know creating an environment where you really want to get the true feedback from employees of course in a way that is effective and constructive and just does sure. it's not designed just to create chaos and have sure. people constantly at odds with each other you know what i do every day is i'm a mediator that's how i get paid you know uh -huh. uh, and so i definitely espouse you know creating systems that um mm. support you know positive engagement in yes, yes. conflict resolution but at the same time creating a creating environments where employees know that they can speak up, they can share mm. concerns um, without fear of retaliation, without mm. fear that they are somehow um, ending their opportunities or inhibiting oh, their yeah, opportunities yeah. to move up within the company or that mm. they're going to become the scholar, scarlet letter of the organization. <laughs> but really, um, you know, establishing that from the top down, that we are a culture that really wants to hear back from our employees, because if we don't hear from you, we don't know if we're getting things right. And so I think it's as simple. Of course, we need the KPIs. Of course, we need mm -hmm. to build these measures into the reviews, the performance reviews sure. um, of our leaders. But at, in the end, we also need to make sure we don't take away that basic element of talking to our employees or listening, really, because the mm. real element of talking is listening mm -hmm. and listening with an intent to understand and to to receive that feedback, which can be helpful to growing an organization. Mm. 
Well, so well said, Angela. I refer to that as moving from the ego economy to the we economy. The ego economy, I, I can tell you what I have all these great theories to help me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, to help me put my thoughts into. Well, you described uh, it so beautifully there because it's all top-down, command and control, hierarchical in the ego economy, right? I'm going to tell you what you need to do, and there's no mechanism for dialogue. And what you just described was the we economy. You know, we, we sit down and have a roundtable. I mean, if you do it virtually like we're doing this on Zoom, you still have that conversation. And so the human dynamic is engaged and there's just a an element of the human spirit then. If you really want your company to fulfill its mission, right? Why right. wouldn't you ask the people doing the work? You know, how are we doing? What are you hearing from our customers? How can we help you grow and improve? Uh, right. What, what you're right. doing as a part of the company. It, you know, it's hard to receive feedback, right? Even a business that, you know, at one point in my own business, I, you know, I weighed whether I should have, you know, post doing completing a project or right. a case or something, kind of having a survey that allows the client to give me feedback. And I was a little hesitant to do it because I'm like, what if the feedback isn't great? What am I going to do with that? Right. You know, I mean, I try yeah. to do my best job, but Absolutely. you just. You're always concerned, but you know, if you really want to improve and grow and enhance, you know, whether it be for your business uh, to, or with your customers or internally amongst your employees, I think you gotta be willing to ask the tough questions and to hear the answers that you may not want to hear. Well, and if I have shifted from the ego economy to the we accompanying, I'm assuming, now there are exceptions to every rule, but I'm assuming that these people with whom I work, they want the company to prosper as well. Right. Because right. they have a stake yeah. in that vested interest there. So For sure. why wouldn't I? And if I want to continue working, yes, I'm going to ask my clients, hey, how'd I do? What can I improve? Right. What can I grow on? Exactly. But in the ego economy, I'm way too insecure, right? And, yes. and too fragile in my, <laughs> my little ego. Angela RaddockWright.com is the website you can go to right now and get your copy of the Workplace Transformed. Angela, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guest one thing. What's one thing that our listeners can do starting today to create this positive work culture that we're talking about? Well, my core philosophy in this conversation and the work that both you and I do in transforming workplaces is that the leadership has to start from the top until the leadership makes the commitment to its employees to creating a great, healthy, thriving and um, workplace. Um, it's not going to happen. So the leadership has to model the behavior, has to speak it and, you know, show through its actions that it's committed to these concepts. And when the leadership does that, everyone else will follow. And then as folks are following, empower them to become leaders in their own little world of a company mm. or organization. Mm. Um, empower them to know that they are as important and as vital as the CEO, as the board of directors, as the C-suite, that the company could not exist. It could not be what it is without its, its employees and the people that make things happen every day. Mm. Boy, that's an amazing one thing. Thank you so much, Angela Redock Wright. You can go to AngelaRedock-Wright.com right now and get your copy of The Workplace Transformed, or you can go wherever fine books are sold and you'll find your copy there. And Angela, I'm assuming on your website there's a contact form, an email address or something that people can reach out to, right? 
Yes. So that's www.angelaredock-wright.com. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at I am Angela Redock Wright and on LinkedIn at Angela Redock Wright. Mm, and that's how we met was on LinkedIn. So, yes. Thank you so much for reaching place. out to me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I absolutely love it. So uh, when you're ready to talk to your leader, and do your one thing to get the leadership involved and invested in creating a positive work culture, reach out to Angela Redock, right? And you'll be glad you did. Angela, thank you so much. Like I said at the beginning, I've got a new sister now. Uh, yes. So <laughs> I share so, Southern roots also. So. That's right. So <laughs> I am so very grateful for that. Thank you for being my sister, for all the wisdom and encouragement that you've given Work Positive Nation today to be able to help create a positive workplace. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time and wisdom. Thank you. And my absolute pleasure. I'll come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases their productivity and profits. Get your free 15-point work-positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download this checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, it pays to work positive.